0: The China Current continues its special coverage on the coronavirus outbreak. Go to our social media, at The China Current, and our website for interviews, videos and podcasts. I'm James Chow, thank you. We've brought to you many conversations with people shaping the response and looked at the consequences for highly vulnerable communities like refugees, asylum seekers and people of colour. But the fallout from this pandemic is only becoming more apparent as each day passes. That's why I wanted to speak to Manfredi della Gerodesca, a great friend who, with an eye to history, is able to provide a lens by which we can digest the world before, during and after COVID-19. He's also, like us all, a first-hand participant in the complexities of the lockdowns and chose to leave his home in London for his home country of Italy, even though it continues to experience one of the most serious outbreaks of all.
1: My name is Manfredi della Ghirardesca and I'm a, an art advisor in the field of 20th century art. I'm a training and art historian.
0: Manfredi, thanks very much for joining me. Tell us where exactly you are. I know you're in Italy, but where exactly and where in context to the epicentre there?
1: Well, I'm actually centre north. I am uh, south of Florence. I'm on the Tuscan coast uh, where my house is and um, I Well, if we consider the epicentre Lombardy, uh, Bergamo, or Milan, I am about three and a half hours away by car. I'm in one of the um, regions in Italy, Tuscany, which is supposed to be the furthest behind in all this uh, uh, pandemic. And I am in fact in a place where there are very few cases um, and very small villages. So we're scattered around and we're very far apart.
0: So you say you're far apart and far from some of the worst hit areas in Italy, yet do you still feel somewhat close to the news which we hear every day, the very distressing numbers around confirmed cases and unfortunately so many deaths?
1: Yes, well actually uh, I've learned to look at the news and uh, read the news uh, through my phone and through the internet very carefully because you've actually as far as you can be and uh, as 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 alone you can be somewhere um today information as you know better than i is is very easy to access so I feel very far the same at end the, the same way I feel very very close to 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 what's going on uh, and I'm also feel very close to different um, uh, different ways of dealing with 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 this with this crisis because I came from England and I came to quarantine here uh, because I felt that I would have been safer where I am right now than where I was in, uh, in London.
0: Many people listening and watching will be very interested to know why you chose to leave the UK for the great uncertainties of Italy. Italy, one of the worst impacted countries in this global pandemic, yet you decided to go there just before the lockdown in London began.
1: Well, it is, um, there are two main reasons. Uh, one, you sort of spelled it out yourself. Um, the first reason is a uh, self-preservation one, I'm afraid. Um, I actually suffer of a heart condition since last year, which would uh, be very, very uh, endangered by uh, the, the coronavirus. So I definitely would like to try not to um, cross path with it. And and in taking that decision, I decided that in in living my life in London, the way I was living it, probably I would would have stood a much greater chance to encounter trouble. And and given the news um, aired on TV all the time about what the government was doing and the position of Boris Johnson, uh, I decided that maybe the Italians, because they were deep in it already, um, were sort of getting my vote of confidence. i certainly stand a better chance to do something about it here than I did in London, where I would have overwhelmed, like everybody else, the, the NHS, or I would have had to rely on other people to go and, 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 and deliver things to my house. And um, I think social distancing in this precise moment is social distancing. You have to stay away. And if you can put yourself, which I had the luxury of, and not everybody does, so I, I recognize that, but if you have the luxury of, uh, of putting yourself somewhere where you don't give or get anything, uh, well, that's very lucky. And so I took those, that chance and at the moment has paid back and I'm very grateful for that.
0: Thank you very much also for sharing uh, the underlying reasons why you also made that decision to return to Italy because of your heart condition. Of course, you wish you all the very best with that. But do you feel you. that this high risk groups that we've been told about, meaning the aging population, but also people with pre-existing and underlying heart, lung, liver conditions and more, yes. do you feel that these groups that include you in the latter are being written off somewhat?
1: I don't know. Uh, you see, this, this is a very difficult thing for me to judge as you well know, Italy is uh, the population in Europe that has the highest rate of elderly. We are an, an old population. We, 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 we are growing at the slowest rate in Europe. Um, so obviously we are essential target market for a situation of this kind. There are entire retirement homes that are seeing cases and cases and people dying all the time. Um, and that is also given by the number of elderly that are there. I mean, I was just, you know, every almost every day, um, I am uh, aware of the death uh, of an older person. I was aware of the death of the father of a friend of mine today, and the mother of a friend of mine. Of course, these were people in their nineties, which is uh, by by no stretch of the imagination an incredible achievement, even in modern days. But obviously, there are people that are very high risk, and there are many of them and the um, the system, the hospital system, is completely overstretched. And obviously we're going to see this uh, more and more. Um, the situation in England maybe is slightly different, um, but I still think that from a personal point of view, you want to take yourself out of a the, of the system, not because you're scared, but also not to burden that system. So my responsibility is as much to, um, to uh, not get the illness so that I don't have to check myself in a hospital, so that other people can be checked in hospital. I think that it's, it's my civic duty to, 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 to stay uh, healthy. Um, and, and whatever whatever one can do, one should do, whether one is confined in a very small space or not. I speak to people that are all in all sorts of circumstances geographically now, I have friends from around the world that i speak to and there are very many different situations going on right now and those that are less privileged obviously are those that are at much higher risk and i feel i feel very much for them as i feel very much for the elderly right now
0: maverede you talked about going to rome that was the flight that you took from london to italy you landed in rome you yes. posted a picture on your Instagram and it was almost surreal looking at that image because we many of us who have that privilege to travel uh, dream of going to Rome and some of us have realized that dream and it's a wonderful place to fly into yet your image was of this beautiful design yet a completely cavernous and empty hallway. Um, When you are in Italy now does it feel like the same Italy from the last time you visited?
1: No, oddly enough, I've been watching programmes on TV of, um, on uh, specific cities at night, art programmes. And um, I watched one on Venice and I watched one on, on Florence. And these 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 programmes have not been shot now, they've been shot shot a long time ago. But they portray what's exactly going on, i.e. they portray cities, um, dormant cities. Um, I had a friend today that called me from Florence and showed me the site of uh, the square in Santa Croce from her balcony and there was absolutely nobody. Um, It is a very surreal feeling that you get from that, as surreal as seeing this morning a video about New York with traffic uh, going up and down avenues from a very high rise point. Somebody took it at seven in the evening. And people were clapping uh, for social workers. there's there apparently this thing that has started in New York which I found out about today. And you know, what was eerie about that particular um, particular video was the sound of the people, i.e. the recognising within the big city so many people, uh, or hearing so many people come together. And the other thing is is the emptiness, is the is the is the is the is the confined the forced confinement which which is very surreal. And it's, it's very strange. We are 7 billion and we always feel we are 7 billion. All you have to do is walk through an airport normally to feel that we are 7 billion, especially airports in England. And to walk through Fiumicino the other day was was just mind boggling
0: You're an intellectually vibrant, a socially active person. You have your own family. Um, now coming into self-isolation, largely on your own in this house, how do you manage... The mental and emotional aspects because we talk about social distancing and it's much more than just physical. We're cut off, in a sense, from the rest yeah. of society.
1: The physical is very puzzling because after a moment of incertitude, shall we shake hands, shall we not shake hands? Suddenly there is a moment where everybody's wearing plastic gloves, everybody who, you know, is trying to keep the distancing and everybody's wearing masks. And um, I find that that, that physical aspect, um, uh, rather, rather strange. I'm, I'm maybe as a as a Latino, I'm very physical with people, and I like the idea of hugging. I like the idea of kissing. I like the idea of embracing. So for me, the physical side is 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 very difficult to comprehend on the long run how it's going to be.
0: Is there any yardstick major world events in your lifetime, or ones that you've heard from your parents or grandparents, that comes close to comparing to the current settings in which we now find all of ourselves in?
1: Oddly enough, this year, both my parents would have been 100 years old. They were both born in 1920. They got married in 1945 during the war. Uh, my father was in the war. They lost uh, um, their entire generation of friends in their 20s. They'd lost. They they, they all died in the war uh, for different reasons. Um, so I grew up in a household where the sense of an event that had absolutely uh, and dramatically changed the course of everybody's life and also changed the way of living because the life that my grandparents led before the Second World War and the life that they led after the Second World War was a a totally different life. And uh, so this sense of change, this sense of uh, drastic change reorganization of the world and of of the way people lived is always slightly been ingrained in my education. Um, Also, I think that my parents, because of that, uh, kept a sort of sense of instability during during their lives. They were always worried about uh, over... over consuming things, of overusing things, of of they were they were concerned about. They had financial concerns, even if they were fairly financially stable. I mean, it, it gave them a, a strong sense of unbalancing, and I find that that sense of unbalancing unbalancing is very present now and will be. Unfortunately, I think very present after this is over.
0: Manfredi, I think my parents had very similar experiences uh, of. Of that time of after the war and that habit of not overusing, conserving and um, sharing, but at the same time always trying to make sure that there's enough for everybody to have. Can we move a little bit to that before the Second World War, after the Second World War? Because I think that the narrative you're sharing with us now leans very clearly to a world before COVID-19 and a world post-COVID-19 when we one day open up our doors whenever that may be and hopefully the sun floods back in what kind of a world do you think we'll discover at that point?
1: Well I I hope that we'll discover more of an emotional and an an interior world rather than an exterior one Um, I think that uh The one thing that we've tried to produce for for everybody is uh, is is well-being and uh, consumerism and this consumerism has preoccupied people for far too long with what kind of brand or telephone they've got, or, or or which holiday they would take. or And as a matter of fact, what you should really be more preoccupied is what your relationship with your fellow human being is and how we can be actively involved in trying to make everybody else's life a little bit better rather than a little bit worse, because we need an extra phone. Um, I. It's funny because when, you, we, when, we, when I was talking about my parents, I was thinking about their obsession on, on consuming um, things like electricity, turn off the lights or you know, the heating or things like that. Um, and I came from a very st- stable upper middle class background. So we could actually pay for heating. Um, there wasn't such a worry, but the worry was that you don't waste. Waste is bad. And I'm afraid that our culture is only made and based on waste. And we waste everything, especially the planet.
0: As we close out this conversation, perhaps to people who are younger than we are, who are struggling to establish their identity anyway, because it's a rapidly changing world. But now with these new conditions that have been enforced on all of us because of COVID-19 and the many other complexities it spells. What words do you have for them? What guidance could you steer them towards? And are they ones of an uplifting and hopeful nature?
1: It's a question of intelligence. It's a question of uh, of understanding your surroundings. is It's 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 a question of understanding how we interact as human beings, and what is the correct way of interacting. So. There isn't very much space for selfishness. There isn't very much space for it's all mine. Uh, There isn't very much space for I'm the most important. You are important because your life is important, but you are important because you're part of a chain. It's a little bit what I was saying before. My duty is to stay alive, not because I'm scared of death, because that's, I think, one of the last preoccupations I've got in life, but I'm, I'm part of a system and as such, I. I have to keep healthy so that the system can keep healthy. And this is exactly what we're trying to do in this in this situation right now with, with the rest of the world. Um, it is difficult to do it with 7 billion people, but we must try.
0: And Freddy, you are a kind person. And I very much hope that we'll have more conversations like this during COVID-19. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for your time.